This is Eric McCoy, and I am here with, again, my beautiful co-host. Morella McCoy, and here we are again, wanting to know what you were thinking. I want to know what you were thinking, (laughs) (laughs) and we want to know what you were thinking. Give us a call when you can if you're if you have some great insight for us at 323-203-0815. Again, we're always looking for information, wanting to know what you were thinking. Again, at 323-203-0815. You know, when I wrote pain, failure, and misery are the stepping stones to success, there was a lot of information that I gained from the experience and learned from the experience about myself. And one of the things that I realized was that my life was full of loss. And and going back to, you know, again, when I was very young, we moved a lot. And so, you know, being in third grade before going into fourth grade, we moved to Northern California. I was there for a year. Then we moved to Pennsylvania. I was in Pennsylvania for a year and a half. Then we moved back to Northern California. And then I ended up going through six different high schools. Um, I never was able to gain a lot of people in my life that I trusted or, you know, had any kind of healthy relationship with. Set those roots. Those roots. And I didn't have any of that stuff. Right. And and I talk about in, in my book that this is probably one of the biggest reasons why I didn't have trust in things or faith in people. Mm-hmm. Because I know I always knew they were going to go away. Right. And, and then of course, in Northern California, um, then of course I started rebelling I got arrested, um, you know, in my junior year of high school, I got out of juvenile hall, flew straight down to Southern California and checked into rehab, mm-hmm. <laughs> my first rehab of a few. Right. And, uh. And so that was lost for me. And it, and again, that was kind of the topic we wanted to discuss today was grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And how, again, when I look back at my life, there were so many things that I lost. And again, not just people. The most difficult one for me when we look at a person was Granny. It right. was my, my grandmother, uh, my, my dad's mother. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any of my grandfathers, but my grandmother, we were very close. Um, I loved her deeply. And in 1999, she passed away, and it definitely sent me on a tailspin. Right, absolutely. Which it can do that when you lose somebody, for sure. Yeah. You're the, just that idea, you're never going to see them again. Mm-hmm. It's devastating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I experienced my first loss at the age of six, you know, losing my sister. Um, and that's something you just never really get over, right? But I think the hardest loss that I experienced was the loss of my mother. And at the same time, dealing with the loss of my son's innocence, right? Right, he was living on the streets and all that kind of stuff. But I think the biggest mistake that people make about grief is that grief doesn't just happen when somebody dies. Mm -hmm. We go through such a grieving process when when our lives have changed, when there's there's some sort of loss that's happened that doesn't necessarily mean it's the loss of a loved one. So I think that's what really what we want to talk about today, yeah. right? Is just those the same five stages of grief that we deal with when somebody passes in our lives is the same stages that we deal with when we are in recovery. Yeah. Or when we are, you know, losing a divorce. 
a, you know, all those kind of things that happen in our lives, we're going through the same stages. Yeah, and for anybody that doesn't know, uh, she's talking about the five stages of grief and loss, which were Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross mm-hmm. was the uh, psychologist that sort of explored this. She looked at people that were about to lose their own life. So these were people that were like in hospice. And so she defined what is the acronym of DABDA, mm-hmm. denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance, acceptance, which is hopefully where we get. And I and I think about this a lot with substance abuse mm-hmm. because, you know, as I've said before, you know, my first true love in life, and I'm sorry to say this, honey, but my first true love in life was methamphetamine. Mm-hmm. It was always there. It was there to comfort me. It lifted me. You know, it did all of those things that everybody defines as being a good, healthy relationship. Right. You know, until it became very jealous and it had to get rid of all of those other things that were really important to me. And that was the jealousy that kind of came, mm-hmm. <laughs> came with that. Um, but what's interesting, and I don't, you know, some people can relate to this, um, this idea of, you know, when I was out there running amok and doing all that stuff with, you know, the methamphetamine, it led me to a lot of crimes. Mm-hmm. It led me to residential burglaries, commercial burglaries, all of those things. That was a very adrenaline driving right. force right. for me. And that was almost just as hard to give up, if not harder to give up, than the methamphetamine itself. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I first got clean, even my relapse, I mean, my relapse, I did, I think, some bad things. Yeah. I don't remember it too much, but. don't worry i do and uh and and you know that was such and again just as difficult to give up if not more difficult to give up because again change now all of a sudden change everything's gone everything i was doing i mean this is the challenge for people getting into treatment is like everything you know you're about to let go of Everything that was comforting you. Right. Everything that I didn't have to feel my feelings. I didn't have to deal with life. I didn't have to do all this stuff. And now all of a sudden, I've got to give it up. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely scary. It's the same type of thing that I felt the same way when I when I quit. You know, when I gave up meth was because I felt like Superwoman. I was able to handle my family. I was able to keep a job and keep my house clean. I was able to just get everything done. At least I thought, right? So, but I knew that I wasn't going in the right path, that, you know, I was start, I was never did anything criminal necessarily besides doing meth, you know, <laughs> which is a crime. <laughs> um, you know, I never did anything criminal in that case, but I wasn't setting a good example and I truly wasn't happy. Right. Right. And I think that's where people really struggle to let go of, okay, I know that this life I'm living, this addiction I have, mm-hmm. one of it, denial, it's, I, won't, I won't accept that it's an addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Which was my biggest thing. I'm not an addict, I can quit any time. You know, I, I know I said that several times and in full heartedly believed that I can quit any time. Yep. You know, um, and so that, that's a, the struggle, right? To to be able to let go, and you know, you you start to go. Well, yeah. If I get clean, I'm I'm never gonna have good sex again. I'm never gonna, um, you know, have um, fun anymore. I'm not gonna be able to hang out with my friends anymore. I'm not gonna be able to do any of this stuff. So why quit? Mm-hmm. 
So why why did you quit? <laughs> because life gets crazy. I mean, that's the, you know, the thing with, with drugs and especially with me, you know, is, again, I go all out. I yeah. definitely do. You know, I go way above and beyond. I was always the guy that was like trying to stay up as the longest. Right. No, you know? you're an amazing addict. You can definitely, yeah, yeah. You can put that on your resume. But I fall apart, yeah. you know, and that's, but the reality is, is that again, it stops working. I mean, that's why I was saying with, with, you know, the love of my life, the comfort, the, the um you know being there for me lifting me up mm -hmm. that was temporary yes you know and it is something that doesn't last and when i go all out i lose everything right i mean i literally do you, you know family you I, lose loved ones you lose financial support material you know possessions um you get jumped you know <laughs> you get <laughs> you gain you gain bruises and bumps right right but but you know you end up losing everything that's why i was kind of correlating it to jealousy you know right. so you've got all of a sudden this methamphetamine's like oh you got all this shit well i want this stuff needs to go away it, i'm yeah. gonna take it all away mm -hmm. you know because you only need me you only need me and right. that's the way i kind of correlate that with is the the that jealous bitch right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh and you, and so you hit a point to where again it it's not fun anymore. I mean everything that you were getting from it, and it was a solution mm -hmm. for a while. I mean that's the reality is that you know when and this is the fear based stuff is that yeah when you have to step into a rehab and you have to walk into a treatment program, you know you are giving that thing that has been your solution for all of your problems for however long you've been doing it. Right. And so now all of a sudden, I got to feel. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? I got to feel all the stuff that I've been suppressing over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you get the therapist that tell me, how are you feeling? How do you think I'm feeling? <laughs> I want to get high, right? And, and that's, but that's the, you know, and that's where I, and I, again, I talk about this in my book and I sort of correlate this idea that, you know, for me to, gain the things that I've lost, I have to lose the thing that put took those away. Right. Right. You know, which is the drug. Mm -hmm. Because hopefully the things that were taken away are actually really more important. I mean family, jobs, stability. You know, stability, your you know, your health. Mm -hmm. I mean these probably are health are probably more important than yeah, absolutely. <laughs> than absolutely. the drug, you know. Right. Um, and that's typically what it is, though, when people come into rehab. Now, going back to the five stages of grief and loss, mm -hmm. you know, with the first one being denial, mm -hmm. right? Denial. This is the one that batters most of us for a long time. For a long time. I don't. What are you talking about? I don't have a problem. Right. I can handle it. Right. I can control it. And then you go, all right, we'll stop for a week. Right. Well, but see, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. That's the greatest right. one, you know? Yeah, I can, I, you know. I can quit when I want. I just don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I just don't want to. Right. <laughs> and for me, I, I lost, con I, I start to lose control of any emotions that I have. And everything turns into anger and, oh, my God, over the top, right, mm -hmm. when, I, when I'm using. And so I, and I start to feel no longer in control. I can get all this stuff done, but I'm not in control anymore. And so I start to lose that, right? Um, so 
this is kind of something that we've been talking about and we wanted to bring this up to to um everyone who's listening and, and kind of hear how did you deal with those those stages of denial right or, or those stages of um, of grief and one being denial right to finally go okay i need to let this go finally letting it go a lot of the times that's why what that's why everybody says you have to hit rock bottom because you've been denying the fact that you're not happy, that you're not ha- satisfied in your life because you're so used to this lifestyle. Yeah, there has to be some pain. I there mean, has and to. that, you know, for people to realize that, whoa, maybe I really do have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that's not a constant, you know? I mean, right. you can, because then you can always bargain, you know, which they don't, you know. Right, we're <laughs> getting can, there. Yeah, but you can always, you know, uh, rationalize, manipulate, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the DUI, for instance, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, but that was just, you know, that yeah. would you never happen like again. Four, that was just, yeah. you know, um, and I think all of us go through that. You know, how far down do we need to go for the denial to finally dissipate? Right, right. And sadly, some people some people die, but, but you know, it, but it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so important for, you know, if you're a loved one that, you know, has somebody that's dealing with it, you know, this is why it is so important that you want to help encourage the pain, you know, Absolutely. that you don't want to pull the pain away, that you want to let them experience the pain because that's the stuff that's going to open their eyes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the problem right. or to the issues. It's like, you know, and I think we've said this before, but, you know, like I can't tell anybody that you have a problem. Right. No, they have to know it. I mean, I could do it, but it's but it doesn't mean anything because you may not believe it. Right. If you don't believe it, then it doesn't mean anything. Right. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. I could ask you questions like, well, so what problems have have you seen as a result of your you know use. your your drug use, um, and uh, and encouraging that process of change? But the change part is scary. Right. The change part is scary in anything. Yeah. And so I know we're talking about drugs, but that it's also scary when you have been with somebody for so long and you've decided to have it, you know, cut cut it off and, 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 and file for divorce or anything like that. Even though it's your choice to do so, you're still gro- grieving the loss of the life that you had with that individual, right? Whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, you're still grieving that process and you still go through a denial. You still go through, you know, anger and... um uh, bargaining and you know do you try to do all these different things t- to satisfy that loss that you have mm-hmm. you know so so that's really that's really I think people forget they they think of grief as I'm grieving the loss of somebody that passed away mm. but it's not just when we lose somebody grief is is around us whenever we're losing something that we once had that was very important to us at some point in our life, right? And um, and so getting through those stages and, and working through them is really difficult sometimes too because then you have people who didn't experience what you experienced, the loss that you experienced, and they, and they come to you and, they, and in all, they, they try to do it in a nice way, but they're like, okay, it's time to move on. It's time to kind of get over that, you know, kind of thing. But if you're not physically or mentally ready to move on from that, what they say can actually be more hurtful than good, mm-hmm. right? So, so let me ask you: Once you got clean, right? You're in rehab. 
did you feel like you went through the denial stage? Uh, many times. Yeah. And I mean, what did that look like? I mean, you know, you start to question, well, do I really have a problem? I mean, how bad was it? Mm -hmm. Now, my story can, you know, because I did have to hit the real pain. I did have to hit a real eye-opening experience. Right, right. You know, getting arrested four times in six months and looking at 15 years in prison, you know, is a huge eye-opening experience to, you know, you're like, damn. I mean, right. that is like 15 years. I mean, I knew I wouldn't get that, but, but seven years was what they were really, the DA was really pushing for. Mm -hmm. It's still seven years. Mm -hmm. It's a long-ass time. It's a long time. <laughs> and so... Uh, yeah, you know, one year's time. You know. Well, I've never been in jail, but I'm assuming anything, uh, even more than one day, would be a little much for me. And they're long days. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but, but I still went through that, you know, at times, and even the relapse that I had in 2013. I mean, it was all based on the premise of denial. Mm -hmm. I can do it just once. Mm -hmm. I can handle this. You know, we were talking about the car. I have Schumann tells over 200 lies a day. I probably told 6,000 lies in that 20 minutes before I took hit the pipe, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that denial is something that I think we're always needing to battle. Now, those in recovery, and this is what a lot of people say, the power of the 12-step program, you know, for people. Because, you know, and again, I'm not really a 12-step person, but I'm, I'm always of encouragement for the 12-step yeah, program. Yeah, there's people that it works great for. <clears throat> but, you know, the 12-step program and the premise why a lot of people find it very powerful is that, you know, people have 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and they get to go to these meetings and they get to listen to people come back in that are talking about how bad it is and how horrible it is so it helps them remember. Because, right. again, our minds have a tendency of forgetting painful things, which is the challenge. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, a lot of people say that the person that has 30 years is closer to a relapse than the person that's got two days. Right. Because they don't have that, they don't have that pain. But again, why this is so important is that again, people stay sober because uh, people get sober because of what they don't want, but stay sober because of what they do want. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't stay clean and sober today because I don't want to go to prison. I don't have right. that over my head. I mean, I could definitely get there, but, right. you know, um, I stay clean and sober today because I love my marriage. You know, I want a good, healthy marriage. I want to, you know, um, you know, be successful. I want to be happy, you know. So all of these things that I want versus all of these things that I don't want. Right, right, right. And that's the stuff that keeps pushing us forward. Right. You know, because, again, if I'm still, if I'm so focused on the pain part of it all, the pain goes away. Oh, yeah. You can ask any mom who's given birth to a child and then a second child and then a third child. We forget how painful giving birth is. We really do. I mean, we know at that moment it's going to be painful. And that the ones that don't forget are the ones that keep it with I one kid. I can't say I understand, but, you yeah, know. I, they keep it with one kid. They're like, no, no, I hurt too much. I'm not about to do it again. But, you know, yeah, so you, you, do, you do forget you forget the pain and you remember like the good times and this that, and the other. And so it's one of those things, but back to what I have seen mostly with recovery is not necessarily once they're in recovery is the denial part of it. Right. But a lot of it turns into the anger part absolutely, and depression. Yeah. Right. So obviously you're, when you're, when you're coming down, your, your body's getting rid of all the toxins that you've put in your body, you're going to go through a depression, obviously. Right. 
Now, a lot of the anger, though, is to yourself, too, though. Right, but you're you know? but you end up putting that anger out on everybody else. Oh, well, you do. Well, right? yeah, of course. Mm, I mean, you know, you, you end up kick putting the, that. You in. kick the dog. I mean, that's the kick exactly. into the dog theory. You know? Right. So, and, and and people question. Well, I wasn't this angry when I was getting high. Why am I so angry now? You know, and they're taking that on all these other people. But what they're not doing is sitting back and going, "Why am I so angry? And who am I really angry at?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and really start working through that process. Well, and that's when it's easy to blame other people too. Right, you know, I had to get clean because you were clean. You know, so I mean, of course, of what I had to get clean, and now I'm pissed off at you because I I was good. I was good getting high. Still, no, let it go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, but you know, just those are the kind of things where you know, when when you got clean, you know, it was I left you. I'm not saying that you got clean because I left you. Right. Mm-hmm. But you knew you were losing me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that could have been, th- you could have been angry with me yeah. once you got clean. You well, know, I only got clean because you wanted to. And, you know, now you're bitching to me about taking the trash out. Right. You know, you know, the thing on the, the thing on my relapse and some people, you know, that may go through this type of thing and it's, it's really challenging, but you know, Early on, obviously, prior to this last relapse that we had, you know, prior to that period of time, I hadn't um, really opened my eyes to how bad of a drug problem I had until 2002. Mm -hmm. And then there was all those years that passed, 11 years that passed, so I started rationalizing during that moment when I had that stupid choice that I made in decision. But what got really crazy was that, you know, again, once I took that hit, I knew I was fucked. I mean, literally, that's what I, I thought, you know, it was like, I knew it, you know, and, you know, they always say, you know, in insanity in the recovery program, they define insanity as doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. Well, I had that first thinking that again, it was going to be different. Right. Once I hit it, I realized that it wasn't. And I fell into a, what I define as the more insane, doing the same things over and over again, knowing what the results are going to be and doing it anyways. Yeah. And that's the true, I mean, and that, but that's where drug dependency is, though. That's the insanity behind it, you know. It's like, how does somebody, you know, um, you know, do something like that, knowing where it's going to take you, but you're trapped. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're literally trapped. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew, I knew that, you know, the end game of that thing was going to be ugly. Right. I didn't know exactly the way I thought I was going to end up in custody again, Mm but, you know, that's pretty much where it it always ended up for me before and but i couldn't i couldn't climb out i couldn't grasp i you know the the denial was there was no denial Mm -hmm. you know i mean there was absolutely no denial i knew that i was hooked i knew that it was taking a hold and i knew that it was not letting go right and that denial was gone so i did move out of denial and then i got angry mm-hmm. and i was angry you know oh, i mean I know. As, aside from the the sociopathic tendencies of not feeling much but uh, anger was one that i definitely did ex- mm-hmm. did feel um I, the bargaining you know um i guess you know as long as i'm not slamming it i'm okay as long as i'm not yeah you know, i guess i yeah. made those rules you did you know? make these rules that you kept breaking yeah. yeah but the depression for me and that that again um and i think you know loss I lost myself. Yes. You know, 
that's what I said last time when we started the podcast. You know, I kind of read that poem in the first line of my book is I killed that motherfucker was the first thought that came to me that early morning when I woke in 2002. It's the first line of the book. And it was literally based on that premise was I took responsibility. Number one, I did it. I killed that motherfucker. That was me, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So that that child that I was, that kid that I was, that that person that I was, was dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't even, and I lost that person, right? Um, which was a long road uphill to find that person again in two thousand and two. At that time, and I did find that person. Yes, you did. And then I lost that person. Mm-hmm. Very, very quickly very quickly and that's where the depression sets in and that was the worst part of it all you know for for methamphetamine abusers that's the worst part you know is the is the depression that i knew was coming i knew what it felt like and i knew that my emotions were going to be highly exaggerated i could sit there and you know and they'd be like all right it's time for dinner <laughs> Yeah, I, you know? yeah okay we're gonna have group, <laughs> group. <laughs> well and i remember the anger stage because uh anytime i would say you know you need to get off this stuff we we need to get our lives back in order you know that kind of stuff it was it it would turn on me you you would turn on me and it was you know, I was trying to change you, uh, you know, this, you were happy with who you were, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, who was I to try to get you to change? And, you know, there's, there's a lot of arguments going on oh, yeah. with that. And, and it, it, it always would well, leave me crying and you leaving to go do whatever you were doing. Because you don't want to believe it. You right. know, I mean, I, I knew it, you know, of course, I mean, yes, I was lying to you. Yeah. And yeah. I knew I was lying to you, but I had to, you know, I mean, and I came to realize that when you were going through your anger stage. You didn't buy it, really. Yeah, I didn't buy your bullshit. <laughs> then or now, by the way. Yeah. Um, but that's the, yeah, I mean, the, you know, but that's what's so important, you know, for me today and why I don't do methamphetamine, mm-hmm. right? Well, a lot of reasons, but I mean, you know, that I like my life today. Mm-hmm. I know that there's one thing that I could do that could just swoop it all away in an instant. Mm-hmm. I could do meth and I know it you know I don't have that denial um, at all so you've gotten to the acceptance stage fully accepted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. full acceptance you know Um, so what would you say to the addicts out there that are still they're in recovery but they're still going through these stages they're still in the denial stage of better they're clean and sober they're clean and sober so you know they they got clean for whatever reason You know, maybe let's just say they're six months clean, but they're still struggling. Mm-hmm. They're still having a hard time at getting to that acceptance stage. They're still blaming people. Um, they're still not fully in it. Um, you know, they're in a bargaining stage like like you. Like, yeah, I want to go out with my friends. If I just have one drink, I should mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know those kind of things. Yeah. So how, how would you go through that? And I'm always big on, you know, we always talk about... Um, feelings right we're always talking about the feelings about people and you know i'm i'm the feely person eric's more of the logical thinker you know and so 
for me, it's really important that people feel through these through these stages mm-hmm. that they're able to feel through them, but to really kind of take that back and really start to focus on where those feelings are coming from and mm-hmm. really make sure that they're looking within as opposed to without. Because like you said, these are choices that you as an individual made. Nobody forced any of this stuff on you, right. you know, so. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, the first the first thing behind it is that however you feel right now is not going to be a constant, right? And I think that's something important for people to realize. You know, a lot of people feel like just because I feel this way right now, it's always going to be this way and it's never going to change. But that's what we're talking about here is change. You know, we're talking about that, that you know, things always will improve, you know, and especially if you've spent years on drugs and you're way down here, um, that, you know, when you go to the the grief or the loss, you know, of letting go of that substance, the thing that meant something to you, that was very important to you, you know, you want to look at what you really value in life. Mm-hmm. What is really important to you? You know, and those are the things that, that are going to help continue, you know, to continue help moving you forward. And the other thing is get high. Right, but do it clean. Clean and sober, Right. And, um, you know, and that, and that's part of the deal is that, you know, sobriety and being clean, everything that I was looking for on drugs, I found clean and sober. Mm -hmm. I just do them differently today. Mm -hmm. I don't have the side effects. Right. That's a big part of it. You know, you go to the pharmacy and you pick up your meds and you get those sheets that have those, all the side effects on them. You know, same thing with meth you know <laughs> cocaine although you don't ever get those things from your dealer right but they don't you know, they don't give you a list of side yeah, effects they right? don't give you that sheet of side effects but um but we all know them for those that do it we all know what they are mm-hmm. you know and um and they're and they're ugly they really are they really you know are, yeah. um and so it goes back to you know what is most important to you mm-hmm. and you gotta fight and you got to not use because the premise is, is that again, the power of addiction is once you pick up that drug, and again, I'll speak for myself. Once I pick up a drug and I put that drug inside me, I have no control anymore. Right. It takes over. Dr. Right. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's mm-hmm. the potion, that potion, you know, Dr. Jekyll, take the potion and then I become Mr. Hyde and I go out and commit a bunch of murders. Right. I always thought it was the other way around. I thought Jekyll was the bad one. No, Mr. Hyde's the... Uh, it's Mr. Hyde that we that I, I have to suppress. They have to keep hidden. Because mm-hmm. he's ugly. Yeah, I know. I've seen him. Yeah. Uh, I've met him. Um, so there's other other situations that happen besides just recovery, right? Like I said, you know, divorce breaking up that's that breaking up in a long-term relationship you know that that's a that's a grieving process Mm -hmm. um for moms uh losing not losing their child to death but having their child move on in their lives you know move out of the house create their own lives you're not seeing them as often that's a grieving process for a lot of parents you know um and and i you know i've experienced it i know with with two of my children already and i'm dreading when my third one leaves but at the same time i want him to leave you know i want him to have his own life um so you know it's it there's there's just grieving processes throughout all these different you know absolutely life stuff we're going to take a real quick break here and we have a sponsor and so i'm going to play uh play a quick message from our sponsor 
people I love lost faith in me. I lost faith in me and I lost my faith. Uh, I lost hope. I tried AA, but it just wasn't enough. I needed something that would help me for the rest of my life. I needed a nurturing environment that would help me understand what I was running from. His House New Creation gave me that. I found purpose, meaning, ultimately a career helping others. Recovery is a process, and I'm grateful for the journey His House New Creation helped me discover. True recovery really does begin at His House. Yeah, and if anybody is seeking uh, any assistance, there's always people there to contact. You can call. Uh, their phone number is area code 877-868-5730. Again, 877-868-5730. Very good. Um, so what we were talking before the commercial break was, you know, really talking about, um, you know, the, the different grief stages in all kinds of life situations. I know we've been talking, um, they've been talking on, um, totally, sorry, I just got a text and I, could, I read it. Um, you know, the, the, the different things that can happen in life that will cause that, that kind of grief. And, you know, um, I know for me, you know, when the kids moved out, it wasn't necessarily a denial thing. I didn't go through denial, but I did go through the anger at myself for not doing more for myself and doing, you know, so much for the kids that I gave up, mm -hmm. you know, um, my, my life in that sense, you know? Um, and so there was some anger there and there was like, like I felt like I wasn't appreciated. Like I did all this stuff and my kids didn't appreciate me. So there was some anger involved in that. And then, um, you know, then I don't know if it would consider bargaining, but more of, um, you know, my kids obviously don't love me because they don't call me enough or, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, you go through those stages. Um, but it was really when I took a look at the fact that if my kids have moved out and moved on in their life, has nothing to do with anything that I did wrong. I obviously did something right, you mm -hmm. know? And so as mothers and mothers who are listening, you have to understand that if your kids move out because they're sharing their own lives and they're doing their own thing and they, you know, they're, they're being responsible adults, you did something right. They're not leaving you because, you know, that's what they- Gotta kick them out at some point. At some point, right? <laughs> um, Actually, if if I think if they stay forever, you did something wrong. That, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, another, you know, uh, thing of loss that I experienced, you know, was was divorce, yeah. and it wasn't because I loved my husband so much and he left me and that kind of stuff. The divorce was my choice, my decision. I wanted to move on. I felt I deserved a better life, and I. I, and I didn't really do that whole grieving process. At least I didn't think I was, you know? Um, because it's change. It's, I mean, and that's really, because I, I mean, I kind of went through the similar thing, you know, obviously with, I guess, you know, with, with my ex-wife, you know, that, um, you know, obviously I separated there. She filed the divorce, even though that's kind of what I was yeah. moving towards. Right. Um, but I think we still kind of go through this, like, you know, I think for me though, it was like sort of guilt a little bit. Yeah. Mine you know? was guilt. Mine was a lot of guilt. Yeah. Cause you know. we probably didn't do things the way that we were supposed to the godly way. 
Well, no, it wasn't even just that. It was it was the guilt of you make a promise. You make a promise to somebody that you will love and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And the guilt was, one, that I broke a promise, right? Two, that I was taking my children away from the this quote-unquote happy home, which really wasn't a happy home. But you know the their their lifestyles, you know that they were that they were accustomed to, and um, and so there was there was a lot of guilt involved in that, you know. Um, I mean that that did play a part, you know. We met and um, and stuff like that, and but it, it was a lot of it was just like what, and then questioning was I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. So you know that was where my denial stuff came in. Too. Well, and I think that plays into too. Like think about with you know relationships females kind of fall into this sometimes you know with with the abusive relationship but they decide to stay the the fear of change or uncertainty mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know and being in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. but how many women don't leave the relationship how many women stay in that abusive relationship right why right well uh, yeah a lot of it's you know uh, well a lot of it's fear based so i don't know if that's necessarily grieving but yeah it's that change it's definitely the change that you're going through, you know, can I do this on my own? And, you know, can I, um, if I leave him, will he really kill me, you know, or really, really hurt me? And, you know, those extreme scenarios, right? In this case, um, in in my situation, I was afraid to leave, not because I couldn't take care of myself and my kids, but I was afraid of what he would end up doing Mm -hmm. with his life because I had kept him on this like right path and I didn't want to be responsible for that. And he, she just showed up at my work. And he shows up at your work. That's <laughs> the whole other show. That is. A- <laughs> um, but, you know, the, I think that what, what I really want to get out there and, and really people to start listening to is that it's okay to grieve a loss mm-hmm. of ch- or a change in your life. It's okay to grieve the life that you're leaving behind. And like Eric said, sometimes you got to leave that life behind to find what you're looking Mm. for, right? I mean, and and you're going to go through these stages of denial. It doesn't mean that the choice that you made was wrong to leave, you know, that life behind. It just means that you're grieving through that life that you left behind. Mm -hmm. And dealing with, you know, did I do the right thing? I don't know if it was really as bad as I thought it was. And, you know, those kind of things. Those are your denial stages, right? And then you go through the anger stages. It's you're angry with somebody. You're angry with yourself. You're angry, you know, at the, the that things are not progressing as quickly as you thought it would, you know, after you left that life um, behind. And then you get to the, the bargaining or the what if. Is that the what if stage? Is that the third one? Bargaining? Bargaining, yeah. Yeah. And where you're like, if I would have done it this way, maybe I wouldn't have had to do that. Is that still, is that bargaining or is that denial? Mm, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of denying. Denying, but, yeah. yeah. Bargaining, bargaining, of course, especially with Dr. Kubler Ross was, you know, again, she was she was looking at people that were about to lose their own life. So these were like, God, if you, you know, if you cure me, I'll become a, you know, a priest, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. You yeah, know? I'll start going to church every day, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, you know, it. I was, I was just kind of like pondering here when you were talking about that, about, you know, with like substance abuse, for instance, is there's a lot of fear. You know, there's a lot of fear in, in giving it up because, you know, like you were saying that, 
you know, the life's going to suck. Life's going to be boring. I, you know, I'd done a podcast on high wall clean with Wes gear. Who's the uh, founder of rock to recovery who's guitars for corn. And, uh, and I remember him saying, we, and I like what he said, but he goes, you know, he, he we were talking about that exact thing. And he goes, you know, I mean, how bad did your life suck before, you know, you, you decided to go into treatment and it probably sucked worse than it's ever going to suck. Oh yeah. Clean and sober. Yeah. But you don't see that. No. You know, and that's sort of where you're, you're kind of blinded. Um, you know, you have this fear. I have to let this go. I have to lose this. I have to lose what's been, been comforting me, you know, and, and helping me. Now I have to feel mm-hmm. right now I'm going into a place to, to uh, people I don't even know. I don't trust. It's uncomfortable, you know, going into a place to, you know, to work on a problem. You don't think you have to learn from people you don't think you're going to learn from. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's the scary part and the challenging part. You know, you'd kind of ask, like, what would you tell people to, you know, in that arena? And, um, you know, it, there's a risk that you got to take, mm-hmm. you know, it, it requires courage, you know, it requires you to stand up, get a hold of people you trust, contact people, my email address, people can always send me an email, E McCoy, E M C C O Y at highwallclean.org. Um, you can always send me an email if you need a little bit of encouragement or you just want to talk, send me an email. And, um, you know, I'll, I'm one of those people I'll never send you in the wrong direction. I tell clients that all the time, you know, it's like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to send you in the wrong direction. I'll never, you know, um, but there is a lot of uncertainty. There is. You know, with change, with letting things go Mm -hmm. there's uncertainty Mm -hmm. because what's going to come what am i going to gain by letting this thing go right and um i can tell you that it's usually going to be all good things Mm -hmm. but you have to change i mean you have to work yeah and that's what i'm saying like you have to deal with those stages because if you don't deal with those stages and and granted it may take somebody you know a few months and it may take somebody a few years so it's nobody's nobody's the same right Mm -hmm. but if you deal with those if you really sit down and deal with you know those feelings that you're having those the 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 denial the anger the bargaining you know all that stuff um you're able to really start to 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 grow Mm -hmm. and get better and get past and and you will get to that acceptance stage you know I want to um, just a quick shout out to the best hairdresser and second mom that I have. Becky is listening. Oh, and, fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Becky. Hi, Becky. We'll see you Saturday. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. It's okay. I'm taking Brian. <laughs> um, so just wanted to shout out to her. She's listening. Cool. Um, but, uh, you know, the acceptance thing is, um, you know, is I think very big. Now for the 12 step people, you know, there's, there's the whole, part of the book that talks about acceptance acceptance is the answer to all your problems Mm -hmm. and blah 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 kind of stuff Mm -hmm. right and and i think there's some validity you know to the power of acceptance Mm -hmm. you know um there's two fallacies that people have about accepting something is that if i accept it i have to be okay with it which is a fallacy and the other one is if i accept it then i can't change it Mm -hmm. which is also a fallacy um, and acceptance is the precondition to change so if we were looking at it from the denial you know, side of it, 
I have to accept it for me to change anything. Because exactly. if I don't accept it, then it's not real. And again, I'm working on a problem that I don't think I have. Right, exactly. And I think that's kind of where people start to, to you know, maybe fail in sobriety, right? Because they're not, they're not accepting mm-hmm. they're not accepting that of the change and of course i mean yeah your body's craving it you know at some point you know you're or things get a little rough and your first reaction is like oh well it's getting a little tough i'm gonna you know go have that drink or go get high or you know whatever mm-hmm. um and so that i think by not being able to deal with those those stages and and deal with the acceptance of of those those particular stages you're not going to be fully accepting right, right? um so it's 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 important that people can probably recognize those things and not just you know if if somebody tells you well did you grieve your divorce did you grieve your you know previous life of addiction what does that mean yeah what (laughs) uh, what do you mean did i grieve it it was my choice right you know um but you still you still grieve that you still it's still a loss and so it's important that people really start to you know, and, and like we say on practically every show is really look internally and look inside of what 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 is the the root of that problem, right? Because everything has a root, mm-hmm. um, and you got to face those roots um, until you face it head on. You're you're constantly going to be in, in in turmoil in your own mind, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, and and there's still times that you know certain situations will happen, and y- you'll you'll kind of want to revert back. Even though you've accepted it, you may want to revert back because even as even if you've gotten to the acceptance stage, right, there's still going to be things that situations that happen. People will say something or, you know, do something that will upset you and it will kind of revert you back into that denial stage or any of the other stages that, you know, are are part of the grieving process because um, we never really stop grieving Mm-hmm. Our, um, it's one of the most losses. common things we see with people that come into rehab, you know, mm-hmm. is that, you know, they've had losses in their life that they never dealt with, you know, that they've never uh, worked through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even going to like, you know, like childhood or sexual abuse as a kid, you know, there's that like, what do they call that loss of innocence, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so there's a grief and loss that, that has to be dealt with within that. Um, and I think this is a topic that, encompasses all of our life and obviously the older we get the more losses we're going to have absolutely yeah and so that's why it is something especially for people in recovery to you know be able to get to a place to where you can work through those things you know i had a client i worked with one day one time and he was like you know um yeah i'm completely confident i got this you know i'm i'm you know, there's nothing that's going to take me out. And I know one thing that was very important to him was his kids. And I looked at him and I said to him, I go, what if your kid dies? Mm-hmm. You know? And he looks at me and he goes, all right, I'm not that committed. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, and the sad part is, I mean, that does take a lot of people out. And so these are things that, you know, we have to learn the tools to be able to get through these things. Mm-hmm. You know, drugs and alcohol never solve a problem no they just hide them all they do is you avoid them and the and the crazy part is that you will deal with it eventually oh yeah everything at comes some back. point in time you will have to deal with it or you're going to be dead i mean yeah. e- either either or because you know drug drug abuse there's never and again depending on the level of abuse that you have you're 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 going to hit a point to where 
you're going to have to stop. Mm-hmm. One way or another, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether it be legal issues or health issues or something. And you're going to have to feel. Yeah, absolutely. Be ready. Yeah. You're going on a ride. Right. <laughs> and then you have, then, then you're not only feeling whatever loss you had, now you're dealing with the guilt for not dealing with it when it happened. Yes. Absolutely. So you're, you're intensifying whatever you have to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people don't like to deal with feelings, unless you're me. You know, you don't like to deal with feelings. And some have way too many. I have a, an exact <laughs> perfect amount of feelings. You just don't like to deal with them. Um, but, you know, the, they're, they're feeling, they don't want to deal with their feelings. They try to cover it up. They try to avoid them, whether you're on drugs or not, because there's still a lot of people out there that try to push their feelings down, feelings down. It's like eventually that box that you're trying to push everything in is going to explode. Right. Whether, like I said, whether you're in, whether you're on drugs, in recovery, not in recovery, you, you've got to feel through things, you know, um, and be able to 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 work through issues in order for you to move move on and, yep. and truly be happy, right? Absolutely. So, are we almost at time already? Yeah, we we are almost out of time. Yeah, I'm noticing on the clock. <laughs> yeah, I um. Hey, I want to let everybody know too that you know, please check out my other show, um, High Wall Clean. And um, I also have uh, Walk a Mile in My Shoes coming up. Really excited. I'm going to have Tommy Chong's going to be a guest on my Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Yeah, pretty, pretty excited about that. We're actually going to be, be recording that on Tuesday. That's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. That's I think exciting. it's going to be a lot of laughing. I think so, I too. think I'm going to be getting high. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, But sure. this is not the high wall clean. And, and again, of course, I don't get high on drugs. But, you know, we, I think, I, I have a feeling that we are going to do a lot of laughing. So right. it'll be me and my co host, Lona Curie. And, uh, and then we'll have Chami Chong. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Ask him where Dave's at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it, 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 really good conversation today. Um, I think Eric's 100% serious. If you don't have somebody that you can talk to, um, oh, that you feel has experienced what you've experienced. Your email too. Yeah. Um, I what what which email? Whenever email you, I gotta get you. Uh, you gotta get yeah. me a recovery email. Um, but you know, reach out to him uh, for for anything. If if you want to talk to me, reach out to him, and I'll give you a call. If you're a woman who wants to talk to another woman, you know, we're here. We're here yep. to support in any way in any way um, that you need. And we are out of time again. Hey, I want to thank everybody for listening to uh, What Were You Thinking? And uh, we will see you next week. All right. Bye.